Well, today in Acts chapter 13, we're going to look at something that Paul is setting sail. And Paul has been, we're about 12 years from his salvation experience with Jesus Christ. So 12 years, Paul has had to wait 12 years before he gets put on mission with God. Any of you in a waiting period? Any of you think, Lord, I'm never going to get there because it always seems like there is too far away. I want to do it now. Anybody? Anybody? Anybody, your children want to be there now? A lot of kids don't want to work. They want mom and dad's house. They want mom and dad's cars. They want everything that mom and dad have arrived and achieved through all these years, and they want it now. Were you ever that way when you were a young person? Why can't I have that? And then when they get on their own, they're like, hey, can you give me some money? Because my house, our apartment is not like yours. And food's a little different, right? Cooking ain't the same. And, and what happens is we chase that dream, and as we get older and older, we start respecting and actually realizing, hey, it takes some hard work to get where mom, dad, grandma, grandpa have been or are. It takes individual work. Well, same thing in the, in the Word of God. Paul, he was, listen, he was a smart man. Can't take anything away from his background, from the tribe of Benjamin. That's the ch- top tribe, if you will, most precious. PhD, probably more than one. Understood the, the Old Testament like that, Right? And then had a personal loving uh, relation encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. This, this Paul, this Saul named now Paul, listen, he had an encounter with God. He experienced God. God changed his life. And now he's going to have to wait 12 years. He's got to go through a time of, of, of training. He's got to go through a time of, of mistrust. And even now, his reputation's going ahead of him. But they still respect him because of his background, where he's from. We talked about this this morning in Sunday school. Can you go back to the place that you're from? We'll do one more test, one more unscientific test. Who is actually from Aiken, South Carolina? Anybody from Aiken, South Carolina? There's a few of you left. Boy, our church is changing. Who is not from Aiken, South Carolina? Where, all right, sorry, we finally flipped it. All right, it used to be it was about 50-50, and then all of a sudden you find out that we're not from this place anymore. But what happens is this is where we've been planted, amen? You're here for a season, whatever your season is. Could be season could be 50 years could be five months, could be five days, could be tomorrow, right? But I want you to understand, can you go back to the place that you've been? Based where you used to work or where you used to live, can you go back there? Did you have a reputation that people said, listen, come back, please. We, we loved you then and we love you now. You have a place to stay, you have a place to work. Could you go back? Well, Paul's going to go back to a region that they, he's known by his occupation as a Pharisee, a man of the law. He's going to go back to a place that's a place that we actually... Uh, if you're not careful, you'll, you'll skip it, and you'll think it's the same place. Remember last week I told you there's two Antiochs, and I'm going to call it Antioch South. That's where the church, where we first were called Christians when I preached to that. And I'm going to call it Antioch North, okay? Both of them are in Turkey. So just as I talk about Antioch, I'm going to say Antioch North, all right? It's going to give you another side, another word, Pisidia. We'll see that in just a moment, but it's to the north is where it is, all right? Let's read God's word today. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 13. Now when Paul and his party set sail for Paphos, and they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departing from them, he returned to Jerusalem. Why is that even in there? That's John Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark, by the way. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia, that's Antioch to the north, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. This is how practical the Word of God is. Why does God tell us John Mark went back? This This is a kindergarten question. Why does the Word of God tell us that John Mark went back? Because he went back, all right? Now, he had to go back. Where did he have to go back from? He had to sail probably back to Cyprus, 
Then he had to sail back over to Jerusalem. He had, he had a journey to go back, but he cut and run. You'll see later, Paul gets upset. He says, he ain't working with me ever again. You ever been like that? Somebody ever cut strings with you where you can't go back? Later you'll see Paul and Barnabas, these two men who are, who are brought together in the love of God. <clears throat> later in the book of Acts, they're going to be split up. Because Paul's going to say, John Mark, he's a quitter. He ain't coming with me again. When, he got, when, tough's got, when times got tough, he quit. He cut and run. And Barnabas says, no, 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 he's coming, he's coming. And, and Paul says, he's not coming with me. And Barnabas says, he's coming with us. And Paul basically says in our vernacular, if he's coming with you, then you're going somewhere I'm not going because he ain't coming with me. And at the end of Paul's journey, I'm just going to give you the cliff notes ahead of time. Paul says, send John Mark to me because he's profitable for the ministry. So I want you to see that this is real people having real problems in the church of God. This is the apostle Paul who has real problems in the church of God. So can we have problems today? The answer is yes. Will we have problems today? Will we have conflicts? But we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And kingdom people, guess what we have to do? Come together, right? We set aside our differences, our likes, our wants, dislikes, whatever it is, we set those aside. Now watch Paul. Here he is in Antioch to the north. This is in Turkey, straight up. If you go to Asia Minor, I said Asia Minor today in Sunday school. All right, here we go. We're at verse 15. And after reading the law, and by the way, what day is it? Does anybody know? It's Saturday. How do we know it's Saturday? Because it's the Sabbath. The Jews worship on the Sabbath on Saturday. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for other people, say on. Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hands, his hand said, Men of Israel, you Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. And the motion of his hands was this. You ever heard somebody give a standing ovation when a speaker comes? And now presenting so-and-so. And everybody just, and the speaker finally gets up. And if he has any kind of humility, he'll just say, stop, sit down. He'll motion with his hands. This is what Paul's doing because his reputation as a Pharisee, they have one of the most elite Pharisees in their synagogue getting ready to teach. And that was a custom. If someone was a rabbi or teacher, they would come in and sit with you and you'd say, Brother Stater, do you have a word today? You'd come back, you'd, you'd come back and you'd actually, do you have a word? Y'all, have y'all been in church where that happens? Do you have a word of testimony today? And you would actually speak the word. That was the custom here. They had a Pharisee above Pharisees in their midst. His reputation in the Asia Minor area, because he's right from Tarshish to the, if you would, sailed just to the, it'd be east. He would actually be from Tarshish near Antioch, the old Antioch south. I know this is a big map. You need to look in your Bible. Trey has the best Bible. Trey paid extra for his Bible. He showed me his map. He showed me his map this morning. Look at the maps. Listen, you ever looked at the maps when you're studying the Word of God? Look in your Bible and see if you have maps. It's pretty awesome. Got to say in the back, the maps usually are like, what are they here for? They're here for you to actually understand what you're reading. How long did it take Paul from salvation to the point that we're at now? How many years was it? Twelve years. How long would it take to set sail from the island of uh, the Cyprus and by the way, why were they in Cyprus? Do you know why they went to Cyprus first? The Holy Spirit led them there, but who was from Cyprus? Barnabas. So they go back to his hometown, and they, where, do you, where do you want to take the gospel first? Where should you want to take the gospel first? Home to my people first, right? Then I'll go to those people. But he, he took the gospel home when they set sail. And as they set sail, this is called, in many of your Bibles, Paul's first missionary journey. Look in your Bible and it will actually track that. If you have a map in there or just Google it, you can look it up. There's plenty of information to know that. They traveled hundreds of miles. 
And as they leave the island, they're moving north, and they're going up into Turkey. They'll, get, they'll dodge Greece. They'll go right into Turkey. They'll travel around, and of course, they'll come back. We'll see that as we continue to read the Word of God. But they read the Word of God and say, men, do you have any word of exhortation? Not, hey, can you give me a good word today? That wasn't what a, a good word was that they're talking about. Can you take the law and the prophets? Can you speak to those things? And what does Paul do? What does he know? I told you but when we set this up. What does Paul know? Very well. He knows the Old Testament. He knows the law and the prophets. He knows the Word of God. Now, they didn't have a Bible like we have. They had scrolls because the Bible's being written at this time. So watch what happens. Paul's gonna get, here's what he's going to do. Verse 16. Paul stood up and motioning with his hands, he said, Men of Israel and you who fear God. There's two different categories of people. We'll get that in just a moment. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he brought them out. That's to say, he brought them out with power. Now, for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. How long should it have taken them to cross over the, the wilderness, the desert? And when I was a kid, I used to read the word wilderness and thought it was trees like we have here. Wilderness is the desert. That's another word in the Bible for the desert. It took, should have taken them less than 40 days to get across the desert. Instead, God puts up with them for 40 years. And what does he do? Everyone over the age of 20 dies. Everyone 20 and under, they get to live. That's who got to go into the promised land. So did they miss it, church? Yeah, Paul's saying, hey, our, our, our fathers, they missed it. Anyway, verse 18, watch this. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to, the, to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse. And look at this. Y'all know David's flaws, right? But what does the Bible say? He's a man after my own heart who will do all who will do all my will. And that's a reference from 1 Samuel 13, 14. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior. Savior's name is Jesus. And then he's going to transition back to an Old Testament prophet, but is also his name's in the New Testament. After John had preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John was finishing his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whom feet, whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of, uh, of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled in them condemning him. I want to encourage you right here, listen. Don't get caught up in the history lesson because we're talking about a historical narrative. It's a lot of history. He's covering thousands of years here. He's catching up, saying, you know our background. You know how we were brought out of Egypt. You know Father Abraham. You know the story of the prophets. You know all these different things. So he's catching them up, and they're like, amen, amen, preach on, preach on. Where is he right now? He's preaching through what? Old Testament historical narratives. He's telling them what the history of their people are. And they're like, we know this history. We hear this history every Sabbath. We take a scroll and we read it. So we know what you're saying is true. Then he gets into John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, did they understand that the people, did they respect and reverence John the Baptist? 
They did. They were afraid of him. Listen, they come to the place that he was a prophet of God. He was a man who was a preacher of God. They, they respected him for his position. They didn't necessarily agree with him because he's preaching about one who's coming, except he hadn't come and pointed out Jesus yet. Paul will say he does in just a moment. Here, here's what they do. Verse 28, and, and through, uh, though they found no cause for death in him, and who's him, by the way, here? This is Jesus. Make sure you're tracking. They asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down, who Jesus, from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. Who was him? Jesus. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, for his, their children, And he has raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore he also says in another psalm, You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, verse 36, after he had served his own generation, by the will of God fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. He died. The end. Amen? But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Remember we talked about this a few weeks back? The Jewish custom was in four days, if you were dead for four days, you were dead dog dead. Amen? You were gone. You, your body started to rot and stink. We think of Lazarus. Was he dead? Yes. Could Jesus have come and resurrected Lazarus the day he died? He could prevent him from death. He could, he could come on day two. The actual Bible says Jesus waited. Why did he wait? He wanted the people to know their custom, and they knew the tradition. They knew about life and death just like we do today. They knew at day four, because his sister said, Lord, I love the King James, he stinketh, right? He stinks. Roll, roll, the, tomb, roll the stone away, Jesus said of Lazarus. And they said, Lord, he stinks. He's dead. He's seeing corruption. But if Jesus was raised again on the third day, which the Scripture says he was, and I believe he was because the Scripture says he was, Did he see corruption? No. You know why he didn't see corruption? Several reasons. He is God. Uh, Number two, the Bible said he would never see corruption. Right? And number three, he is God. And number four, the Bible said he would never see corruption. Right? Keep on, keep it on, right? Go to the truth of the word. What does the word of God say? The word of God said he would never see corruption. Paul's preaching. Listen, Jesus Christ died on the tree because it was cursed anyone who died on the tree. He was buried, and he rose again. There is no power in a dead man on a tree. Do you all understand that? There is no power in a dead man in a grave. But there's power in one. Listen, woo, there's power in the only one who overcome death, hell, and the grave, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Paul's trying to get the people's attention, saying, listen, brothers, you know the story of Moses. You know the story of Abraham. You know what the prophet said. The prophet said he's coming. The prophet said he's coming. And they kept preaching that he's coming. And John the Baptist says, listen, I'll I'll baptize you for repentance of sin, but there's one coming. I can't even undo his sandals because he's so holy because he is the Holy One sent by God. He is God. And then Paul brings them up to date and says, listen, this was revealed in your time, in my time. This was revealed not too long ago. He's talking about a shallow history. Not, not too long ago, not just a few, a little while ago. Listen, Paul's been saved how long? 
12 years. Paul said, listen, I had an encounter with him. He's real. He's alive. Listen, we serve a living Savior. We come to the place where we read this, and we start saying, listen, I'm with you with a history lesson. Boring, boring history lesson. God did some great things. But then all of a sudden, we start talking about a resurrected Lord. That means something to me and you today, right? The history of Egypt. Listen, I wasn't a slave in Egypt. I, I, I understand that that's truth from the Word of God. doesn't apply to me because I was never there. Right? I, I was there. I, I'm a seed of Abraham because I've been, the Bible says I've been grafted in through the blood of Jesus Christ. But I wasn't there when Abraham was around. That's a historical narrative I understand. I understand Abrahamic covenant, and I'm so thankful for it. But I understand this. I get to the place now. Listen, he didn't see corruption. I come to the place where I understand now that he was dead and buried and resurrected. I understand that because that affects me today. Y'all understand? You understand that it affects you and it affects me if we're believers today or if you're an unbeliever because I'm going to show you in just a moment. Paul was preaching to the men of Israel and those who fear God. He's talking about unbelievers and believers. So he's the same message is for all of us, church, no matter where we're from. All of you not from Aiken, including me, this is for us. All of you Aikenites, this is for you. And everybody watching by Facebook or YouTube, it's for you. I want you to see this. Keep going. Listen, he's going to give a warning, though. Let me go back it up so he says, listen, verse 37. But he, Jesus, whom God raised up, saw no corruption. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. There is only one name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And his name is what, church? The only person can forgive your sins. What's his name, church? Jesus. The one that loves you unconditionally. What's his name, church? Jesus. Jesus. Lost people, listen, his name is Jesus. Verse 39. And by Jesus, everyone who believes is, here's a big word I'll talk to you in a moment about, justified from all things which could not be justified by the law of Moses. Here's a warning. Here's a warning to you unbelievers. This, the message for the believers is like, amen, amen, say it again, and amen, right? It's Saturday. You're not supposed to preach this stuff till Sunday, right? Why do we as Christians, why do we actually worship the Lord Jesus Christ on Sunday? We call it the Lord's Day. Why? Today's the day of resurrection. We preach, listen, there's a, there's a new day, and the new day would come with the Messiah, the promise that the Jews had that we now actually experience today. We worship on Sunday. Can we worship on Saturday? Yes. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We should be worshiping every day, but we come together collectively to worship the Lord Jesus Christ on the Lord's Day, on Sunday. He comes very clear. Listen, here's the warning. Listen, if you're lost today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen, verse 40, beware. Is there a warning? Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. Keep reading and the Jews are going to leave. The Gentiles look, hey, can we get a little bit of that? Can we have some of that? We just heard, because the window's open, window policy there. They're listening, they can't go in, but they, will you preach that message to us? There were people that God was calling, because Paul was called to be a preacher to whom? The Gentiles, the non-Jews. Yet, the, he says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God unto salvation, first for the Jew, and then to the Gentile. Do you mind waiting in a second to receive salvation? I'll be number two all day long, won't you? If I can get saved. And I, by the way, I did wait and I am saved today forevermore. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what, church? Everlasting life. It's a promise because we have a living Savior, and his name is Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Now, go to your notes. Let me fill these in because I missed one last week. Barnabas and Paul so far have had success along their journey. Would you agree? As they take God's message to the world, many reject it, many receive it. Listen, it's going to be that way today for you and me as we seek, serve, and share Jesus with our watching world. Some people are going to say, man, I want some of that. Give me more of that. Let me hear more of that. And somebody's going to say, listen, who do you think you are? And persecution is going to come to those who don't believe, uh, uh, to those who believe by those who don't believe. The sad commentary is that persecution is coming today within the body of Christ. If you're my brother, it don't matter what color you are, don't matter what your background is, don't matter if you're from Aiken or not, if you're my brother or sister in Christ, guess what? We have one Father, and we should be united as one. It doesn't matter where we're from. It don't matter our backgrounds. It don't matter whatever we bring into the church house. When we come to this place, we're on holy ground, and we stand on one ground, and we stand on one name, and his name is Jesus Christ. Will we we have differences? Yeah, we have different denominations. Well, I'm Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, full gospel, half, I don't know what you do, half gospel, I don't know know what that is. Listen, come to the place we identify with mankind's setup versus God's deliverance. Amen? We identify, what church you go to? And you point to a Baptist church, or you point to a Methodist church, or a Catholic church, whatever it might be. You point to your denomination, you should be pointing where? I point to Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian first. Then what church do you go to? Well, I don't really go to church. I am the church. So what denomination are you? When you walk around, do you walk around with Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians? What are you walking around with? You are the church. If you walk around with that stuff, you're wasting your time. What are you walking around with? What does your t-shirt say? Jesus Christ. That's what you're walking around with. That's who you are. You are the church. No matter where you take him, when you go, you are the church if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You take Jesus. You don't take a bunch of Baptists with you. Because every time, listen, every time you show me a good Baptist, I can show you a few more that are bad. All right? Pick your denomination. I guarantee you there's some apples in there. Got some bruised spots, and some are just rotten to the core. There's even lost people who use our titles. Is that true? They'll also be, I belong down to the Town Creek Baptist Church. But they'll never say I belong to Jesus Christ. Because they know that then they got to stand for him. There are people getting tattooed with crosses like, look at me. Okay, so you got an electric chair tattooed on your arm, right? It's a torture, that's a torture device. Did y'all know that? That was the worst kind of torture that the Romans could come up with. Pulling people apart, sawing people in half. Today, we've ele- we electrocute people. We've injected people. But the Romans said that's the worst kind of torture we can inflict. One, we can torture somebody. And two, everybody has a look at it when they come to town. They're like, ooh. And daddies would say to children, son, you better listen. You never want to end up there. The Romans will put you to death. And we walk around today, and people get tattoos, and they live in like sin. They live in like the devil. What does that cross mean to you? What does it mean to you? People are wearing those necklaces, earrings. But the funniest thing is people that are wearing tattoos of the cross walk around like this and never say one thing about Jesus Christ. They cuss, they carry on. Listen, there is shame. Listen, that same cross that they have tattooed on their arm is the same cross by which God's going to judge them when they die and go to hell. You wore the tattoo that Jesus Christ died on that you might be saved 
and you rejected the very Savior that you wore the device by which he died. Is that powerful or what? How many gangsters have you seen? Even in gangster rap and watching it, and, and the people that are arrested, when I used to work with the public safety, people come in with crosses all over them. MS-13 have crosses all over them. Right? You seen the crosses? To the patron saint of whatever, all these different things, to the dead. But they have the very device by which Jesus was killed, crucified, bled and died, was buried, rose again on their chest, on their arms, and they'll never go to heaven and know the Savior by which, who died on that cross. That's a shameful and a sad day. Are you, are you listening, are you willing enough, uh, Christian enough to actually tell someone about that? Ask them, what does that mean? Why are you wearing that cross? That's an awful device. But our sweet Savior died on that. Have you got a cross necklace? Don't answer me. Have you got a cross bracelet? Cross tattoo? Talk about it. Don't talk about the cross. Talk about the Savior. Come to this place, watch this, and finish it up. These people come to this place. They had heard of this. Paul, listen, let me give you the fill in the blanks. Paul and Barnabas set sail for Barnabas' home to fulfill the mission set by God in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where they should go where? You shall be my witnesses first. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll be my witnesses first where? Where's the hometown? Jerusalem. Next place, Judea. Next place, Samaria. Have we covered those places yet so far in Acts? Every one of those places in God's order have been covered. And where's the last place? To the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth with you. And guess where Paul and Barnabas are going? They left Barnabas' hometown, if you will, home island, and now they're heading north. They're setting sail. What kind of adventure are they going on? We read last week, who is their leader? Who is their captain? If you go back and look, who sent them? You say, I don't want to answer out loud. Go back and look. Maybe I'll miss it. Go back and look. I want you to turn back, if you would. 13, chapter 13, verse 2. Chapter 13, verse 2. Who was their captain? Who sent them? The Holy Spirit. He is God. We just sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Three persons and one. You say, well, I don't understand that. Good. Is God the Father God? Does the Bible speak about the Father from the beginning to the end? Does he say in Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our image? So is God the Father God? Well, God the Son, Jesus, is he God? Because the Bible says, listen, I and the Father are once what Jesus himself said. Either he was a liar or he was the Lord. Is that true? Or he was a lunatic like C.S. Lewis said. He was crazy. He identified with God. How can you prove that you're the Lord God Almighty? If you're put to death and you're raised again the third day, you think there's some power in that? Can any of y'all do that? Exactly. Some of us have a hard time getting out of bed, let alone getting out of a tomb. Amen? He was the Lord. And now here comes the Holy Spirit. And Jesus tells his disciples, you wait for the gift from the Father. The Father's going to send you a special gift, and that gift is the Holy Spirit. He will lead you in all things. And later he's going to tell us he will lead you inside of you and around you. So what do we have today leading us? Listen, we have the Word of God. Every situation, Derek alluded to this, everything in life that you have a question about, the answer's right here. It's here. Should I do this? Should I go there? What should I do? But the problem is, we don't like to wait. We're like this. Lord, let me just uh, answer, and what should I do? And Judas went and hanged himself. 
Do you think that's what you should do? You must go through the Word of God and wait upon the Lord. Lord Jesus, listen, I know you're not in any hurry, but I am. You made me because tomorrow's coming, and i got to have an answer by 12 o'clock. You know i got to get this loan. You know I'm going to get this school. You know I'm going to get this job. Whatever it might be, Lord, I need it now. When does he want you to pray about that? Ten years before you even get to that point. Because he wants to walk with you and talk with you along life's narrow way. Amen? He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. Listen, does he live? Does he want to walk with you daily? This is a truth from the Word of God. Paul's going to finish it up. Let me give you the answers real quick. Listen, this is powerful stuff. Paul used his reputation of being a stellar Pharisee to preach the gospel. He used his reputation. Are you using your reputation to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you using your platform? How many times do athletes, current ones and ones who are retired, the ones who come out of the, the, the game, how many of them stand before people? And crowds of people will come because that's my favorite fill-in-the-blank. And he'll speak or she'll speak. And vast numbers of people will come to Christ because God gave them before they were even born, yet they were trained. They come through the athletic world. And I can speak about athletes because we have two, really three in the family. But we can speak about it. It uses their platform to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there's nothing quite like we rolled into Canada and they took us to a part of Canada. And if you've ever been to Toronto, Canada and Mississauga, Mark can attest this, our chairman of deacons, Kenzie and several of you that went with us up there. There is actually the Middle East. There is Pakistan, and, and, and nobody goes into Pakistan. It's not called Pakistan, but it's a neighborhood. It's just Pakistanis only. You don't fit if you don't go to, if you don't not from Pakistan. Martin, am I telling the truth? And there's areas who are just different parts. The Middle East is it, so Mississauga is just divided up with people, and they're based on color. What is happening in Canada? They're based on background. Even people who look the same, Indians, Sikhs. There's certain places that certain people go, and you don't go into their neighborhoods unless you're invited, and most of the time you wouldn't be invited. Well, guess what we do? Well, I'm not quite a Sikh, right? Would you agree? A Middle Eastern. We roll in with a Middle Eastern Christian driver, pull up, and there's no plan, which is frustrating for me, but there was no plan. We see a bunch of brown kids all over the place. We're thinking, these men with turbans on their head, what's the first thing you think in America when you see someone with a turban on their head? Come on. They're Muslim. They're terrorists. They're, we, we go through, we stereotype whether you like it or not. We, we, we prejudge somebody before we even talk to them. And I didn't even know that Sikhs have nothing. They're, they're nothing like the, the rest of the kids that are hanging out in the Middle East. Uh, they believe in one God. Uh, th- that's their hair growing under their turban. They let it grow from birth. We come to the place and found out they were actually very interactive people. We got out of the car and and we got, what are we going to do? And there was no plan. Our missionary had zero plan. I literally give McKenzie a ball. <laughs> apologize. I give McKenzie a ball, a rubber kickball, and said, go play kickball. She said, Dad, there's 200 kids. I said, figure it out. She goes up in the middle of a bunch of kids, just, just a shower of kids, and within a few minutes, she's playing kickball. Well, we, we walk around and talk about Martin and I think Chong and myself, oh, what a beautiful little boy you have, a little girl you have, because she, she had this linen robe and two little flowers in her hair and found out that was actually a boy. That's how the boys dress. They, they put flowers in their hair because they hold on so their hair's growing. They never cut their hair, and it looks like little small ponytails. You would think it's a girl. Oops, we learn, right? 
well, they were forgiving. We come, but we didn't belong in the neighborhood because we'd come, we'd been sent by God, we felt like. The church here, Town Creek, sent us. So how are we going to get the gospel out? You guys, some people flying kites. It's just activity in a public park. Think Odo Weeks on a hill, and it's just Kansas is playing kickball with 200 kids. And I'm like, what message, guy, can I even share if I have an opportunity? Well, kids, he brings the kids over, and I have an opportunity. To, the, the people are coming to us, and I have my Bible, and I'm going to share the story of the Good Samaritan. That story always works on the mission field because there's a good guy that does bad things. There's a good guy who does bad things, and there's a bad guy who's an outcast that does the right thing. And Jesus commends the one who didn't fit in, the one racially didn't fit in, the one who was not part of the Jewish custom fit in. And he tells the story, who was your neighbor? And the people have to choose. So I said, we'll share that story. Well, as God would have it, I sat down on the side of a hill, sat down like this, and they just come to us. Literally, old men, Martin and Matilda, right? Young men, women, children, just come just flocking. And I could speak. And by the way, do you know why Jesus spoke from a hilltop? Your voice carries. down. The people can hear down there. And when I sat down like this, y'all, we have sand spurs in South Carolina. I don't know what Mississauga calls them. I call them devil burrs because I said I had pants like this on and they went right through my pants, right through my undergarments, right into my skin. And I'm sitting there going, I got an audience in front of me going every time. And I couldn't move to the left because they just go, mm. move to the right. Mm. So I'm turning red and I'm sweating. Every time I'd move, those devil spurs would just stick me deeper. And it wasn't just one or two. It was all over my backside. What do you do? I have this much window of time to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do I do? The platform given me at that point was these people were coming to me. And nobody knows I'm sitting on these things but me and the Lord. So I, I read and tell the story of the Good Samaritan. And I, would, I wish I could tell you everyone got saved that day. They didn't. I don't know what the, listen, but they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ that day. I used the platform I was given to share the gospel. And you must do the same thing. And then when everyone left, I got up and, right, it was a very painful encounter. But what happens if I said, ow, ow, I can't believe this. Man, y'all got some raggedy grass up here on this place, right? And I walk away complaining because everything didn't suit my pastoral, my pulpit needs. Have you ever been there? Have you wasted your platform up to this point? Let me challenge you. Whatever platform you have, listen, as of today, make it holy as unto the Lord. Lord, I give you my platform. I don't care if you dig ditches. I don't care what did you do for a living. Offer it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Give him your platform and he will use you for his glory because that's the chief end of man is to bring glory to God. Whatever platform you have, use it for the Lord. That's, this is what Paul is doing. He used his reputation as a stellar Pharisee to preach the gospel. All right, let me give you the notes. Paul knew his audience. He addressed the group of non-believing Jews and the believing Jews. He addressed both. He said, men of Israel and you who fear God. By the way, that should be you as Christians today, right? You should fear God. Paul used relevant history of the Old Testament to reveal the Christ of the New Testament. He took him on a history lesson. Let me bring you through. And his whole purpose was what? Tell the old story so I can tell you the new story. A new day has come. People say, Pastor, I can't share the gospel. I just, I just get all nervous. That's your problem. You're commanded to share the gospel. Is that true? How do you get rid of nervousness of not knowing? 
Can you read chapter 13? Can you simply read chapter 13 to somebody? To a Jewish person. You say, well, a Jewish person would just eat my lunch because they know more about their history than anyone else. That's not true. I was listening to a radio program this week saying the, the end times. Everybody's talking about end times right now because all these different things are happening. And I believe the Lord's coming soon. Listen, there's a peace agreement in the Middle East. Did y'all see that yesterday in the news? Woo, it's exciting times. Right? Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. King is coming. Did y'all ever sing that song when you're growing up? King is coming. The king is coming. I can hear. Anybody know it? We're going to sing that song, aren't we? Chris, we're going to put that on the, on the, on the, sing, uh, the song list. We're going, we're going to learn it because I want to be singing it when he comes, don't you? When the king comes, don't you want to be singing that song? Just singing all the way up to glory? Yeah? Two of us do. Amen. All right. <laughs> Rush y'all not going. All right. Come back and look. Paul taught about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preached a living Savior. He did not preach a dead Savior. Muhammad, for the record, is dead. The Muslim's God is not our God. We do not worship Allah. Allah and Jehovah are not the same. Put it on record. Make note of it. Amen? That was a man-made God. Muhammad's dead. Christian's dead. Go down the list. Pick a man in time. Pick Joseph Smith. Dead. Jesus Christ. Dead, buried, living after three days, just like he said. If I tell you, listen, I'm going to die Friday, and I'll be back here next Sunday. Don't count on hearing from me next Sunday, right? Because <laughs> I'm a false prophet, and I'm dead. I'm dead, dog dead, all right? Paul preached that God's word was sure. God fulfills his word faithfully. Look at what he says. He says, the prophets told you just as God said. God did what God said he was going to do. And God will do and is doing today what he says he's going to do. If you miss it, guess what? You missed it. He was doing work on Friday. If you were out watching TV or fulfilling your own fleshly desires, you missed it. He was doing work on Saturday. You could have been too busy in whatever you were doing, and you missed it. Some people say, Pastor, you talk about God speaking to us. I don't hear him. Two things are wrong. Could be wrong. You don't know him. He says, my sheep hear my voice or know my voice, right? Does your dog know your voice? Whatever you do, come here, boy, right? Yeah, girl, whatever dog you got. Lovey, right? Lovey knows your voice. So, some of you do your dog, does your dog know your snap? My dog, I do this and point to the couch. He jumps up and I pet him. And then we get into a little fight. It's just a, it's just a little thing we do. Can I ask you this? If you can train your dog to hear your voice, do you think God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit can train you to hear his voice? How much greater is God than you and me? You can train. What is man not trained? Killer whales, elephants, creatures. Listen, even the, the, the guys in India, the, the, the cobras, when they come up and dance, the cobras. What does mankind not have dominion over? The only thing? This thing. Their tongue. Self, sin, ourselves. Let me encourage you with these words. Let's finish it up. What did Paul preach? Paul preached there is forgiveness of sins in Christ alone. In Christ alone. Nothing else. You can't pray to a saint. You can't buy you a trinket. You can't have a necklace that you roll around and praying through that necklace a thousand times. 
Hail Marys. You can't pray any Hail Marys in Christ alone. Paul preached everyone who believes is justified from all things that could not be justified under the law. What did the law do? you got to constantly be killing that sheep. Right? Dead sheep. 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 Over and over again. An animal had to take your place and my place. Their blood was a covering of sin. But the Bible says Jesus came and took away our sins. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The world. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be what? Saved. Do you understand what happened? This is the history that Paul was teaching the Jews. And what did they do? You're going to see. We had to wait till next week, but I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. They come back the following Saturday. Here again, the Gentiles say, let us hear some of this. The Jews get some echoes. The whole city comes, and they're like, hey, well, they, there's more people coming to hear Paul than us. Uh-uh, we ain't having that. Get out of our city. Jealousy set in. Can jealousy set, a, set in among the people of God? Don't let it. Don't let it. Who has control of that? Take your finger like this and point to yourself. Only you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have an opportunity to don't let jealousy set in your life or anger or whatever frustration, whatever it might be. Allow forgiveness to happen, just like Paul preached. And don't let yourself be jealous. Don't let yourself be angry. Don't let yourself be overcome. And finally this, what does it mean to be justified before God? You're guilty, would you agree? Born from your mama, you're guilty. Guilty, sinner. But the Bible says, listen, in the old days, the time of Rome, you'd come to the place and you'd get thrown in prison for whatever, 10 years, whatever your crime was. And when you got out of prison, served your time, you'd come before the judge. He would say, is this your name? Yes. Did you do the crime? Yes. Did you pay the time? Yes. Justified, paid for. Do you understand? And he would give him a piece of paper, and people say, oh, here comes Clint again. Here comes that thief. Wasn't you the guy who robbed the bank? Mm, I did, but I paid my time. Look, I've been justified. He'd show his paper. I've been justified. The government, the judge says, I'm justified. I've paid for it. It's been paid for. Don't call me that again. That's not who I am. That's who I used to be. I've been justified. And he would show his mark from the government. I've been justified. When you and I roll up and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, the judge comes up and says, Jesus says, you're guilty. But I died for your sins that you might be set free. Let me do this for your life. Justified. But Lord, I didn't pay any of my time back. Justified. But Lord, I haven't been on your... Justified. You can't say anything to the Lord Jesus Christ about your sin. He don't, he, does he know about your sin in the past? Does he know about your sin in the present? Does he know about your sin in the future? He died once and for all for all sins, and he simply does this over your heart. Justified. So when someone says, oh, you used to run the roads, man. I remember back in the day, you know, that's back who I used to be. But let me tell you, I've been justified before the Lord Jesus Christ. His blood didn't just cover my sins. His blood took my sins away. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, justified. That's how we stand before each other. That's why we can share with one another today. That's why we can actually come as one from different backgrounds. We can come together under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ because we've been what, church? Justified. The law couldn't do it. No, no matter of killing all those animals and cattle, couldn't cover it. Couldn't get it done. Couldn't keep the law. Thou shalt not steal. Anybody stolen ever in your life? Raise your hand. Anybody ever lie? Don't bear false witness. What do we become? You just told us. A bunch of lying thieves in the church, right? But you know what? Justified. 
Every time you take somebody's reputation, it's been justified. He says, don't do it. Now, there's more in the New Testament. If you don't stop, guess what he's going to do? Those he loves, he, he disciplines. He's going to chastise you. He's going to whip you in life. You see a Christian, you see somebody just keep living in sin, living in sin, living in sin, and all of a sudden they, they're gone? Well, they, you wouldn't believe brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, they were killed in the car wreck. It was unbelievable. I'd believe it. The Lord says stop. Amen? He'll tell you to stop sinning, get on the righteous road, get on the straight and narrow again, ask for forgiveness, and I will forgive you. If we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll constantly get us back on the road. Get back, get back, get back, get back. If we won't listen, he'll remove us. We're a stumbling block. But if you see somebody sin, 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 they come to church every week, and they continue to live in sin, and they never get disciplined, guess what I can guarantee you? They don't belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are not saved. Thank you, Richard Bragg. I heard that all the way up here. That's the truth from the Word of God. If you don't belong to him, like when I go to other weeks when our kids are little, woo, let's go, let's go. I'd turn around and walk to the car. Guess what my kids did? Straight to the car. I didn't go, that's one, honey. That's two. Sweetie, come on. Three. So, you've seen parents today, and we talked about this in Sunday school. I, I want to go to Walmart and whip other people's kids because they're like, stop doing that. Stop pushing all the spaghetti in the floor. Stop, just stop. Just stop, honey. That, that, don't do that. One drives me crazy. I was these kids' father. The other kids in the playground, guess what they did? Who made that noise? And they kept playing. Guess what my kids did? They come on. And we got going to our next event, what we were doing. They, were, they knew my voice. I could hear their voice. If they were ever crying or sad or in need, I could hear the tone of their voice. So the father knows us. He knows our voice. He knows what you need. He loves you. And he wants you to understand you're justified. Last part, Paul warned all who heard the truth. He warned them not to harden their hearts through unbelief. A hardened heart is an unrepentant heart. That's what Habakkuk 1.5 says. Say that again. A hardened heart is an unrepentant heart. You like it your way. That's why you won't change. That's why you won't give your heart and life to Jesus Christ because you like it the way it is. You like your sin. You like your parties. You like your language. You like everything about the people you're rolling with. That's why you don't want to change. We say, well, Pastor, I'm just... Too sophisticated for the gospel. Yeah, because you like it that way. You ain't nothing but a sinner going to hell, right? I don't care if you're PhD, unemployed. I don't care what your position in life, retired, homemaker, richest woman, man. I don't care who you are. If you haven't given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, an unrepentant heart is a hard heart that's going to send that very person to a real hell. And the purifying fires of hell are going to, you're going to be preaching to yourself. If only I would listen. If only I would listen. If only I would listen. And in heaven, listen, your family could be singing, holy, 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 right? They could be singing about who God is. The holy fires of hell will burn forever, purifying those who are unbelievable, hard-hearted. Many of these people, listen, this is historical narrative. This is truthful in the word of God. Those people who heard Paul, Paul's dead. Did y'all know that, by the way? This is over 2,000 years ago about. Paul's dead. Everybody in that Jewish synagogue is dead. Where'd they end up? Who's in heaven? Who's in hell? Those hard-hearted ones say, get away from here. Get out of our town. Guess where they are today? Then they can repeat over and over, get out of our town. Jesus is the only way. 
I could be in heaven today. Get out of our town. I think over and over. For eternity, they're never going to stop. And they don't see each other saying having committee meetings. We should listen to Paul. The Bible says you can't even see one another in hell. Forever, isolation and blackness, total darkness, but yet it's fire. How can we explain that? I can't. You're not going to see anybody in party. Everybody used to say, I want to party in hell with my friends. Right? What did the rich man say? Send Lazarus just to put a, a touch of water on my tongue. So is there going to be any liquid or alcohol in hell? What does fire do to marijuana or any other drugs? Complete consumes. Is there going to be a party in hell? You go jump in a campfire and tell me how much parties in that. Take that times a bazillion. There is no party in hell. Hell is real. Hell is the purifying fires of God. People that reject the Lord Jesus Christ are going to a real hell. People that accept Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, are going to a real heaven for eternity to be with God. That's the truth that Paul preached in this message. He set sail to preach the gospel today. Listen, we're still cruising on that sailboat telling people about the same message. You and I have a responsibility. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. After we receive him, be baptized. After we're baptized, go teach. You might teach here. You might teach in the community. You might teach around the world. That's our responsibility. Happens again, we have children. Train them up in the way of the Lord. When they come to Christ, give them the gospel. When they receive the gospel, they follow through a believer's baptism. When they're baptized, guess what we do? We teach them. And we teach them, guess what their responsibility is? Take the gospel to the whole world, starting in our community. It never stops. For 2,000 years, we've been doing the same thing. Hopefully your mom and dad did. If they didn't, guess what? You have a time to do a new thing. It's sad to see people who know the truth not live the truth. Don't you agree? And it's sadder even when God looks down from heaven saying, those people in Aiken, South Carolina, have my word in their own language. They have 66 books. They don't even know the old way, and they definitely don't know the new way because they're not listening. They have hard hearts. What's a hard heart, church? A hard heart is an unrepentant heart. Don't forget that. Let's pray. Father God, I, I praise you today. And I thank you that you love us and care for us. Lord, you've given us a responsibility that we, uh, we can't even do, even closely do by ourselves. But Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do all things. The Bible says we can do, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Father, I pray for our church today that we would be the same people that we read about, that hear the good news, and we set sail for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We set sail in our neighborhoods. We set sail in our families. We set sail in our workplace, in our schools. Wherever you send us, Lord, we want to go and be faithful. We need you. We love you. We thank you. And for those who are here today that have never given their heart and life to Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray for them that they would, today would be the day of salvation. They would hear this real message that's real, a message of hope. And, Lord, you would soften those hard hearts. Pray these things in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.